Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I am Chuck. Today's episode is brought to you by Lower Gentry Studios. Here at Lower Gentry Studios, we are coronavirus free. So you can feel free to visit us at any time. We are cleanly. We have Lysol wipes. We have paper towels and we have toilet paper available. For anybody that wants to visit us uh, today in our studio, you're gonna be marked up though, probably. Yeah, it's gonna can't be find it at the grocery store anymore. Yeah, you got to put a quarter in the can if you want to use our restroom. Um, today with us we have of wind Riley and Ross. They just finished up a set here in the studio. Thank you so much for playing. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us. Yeah, it was great. Uh, co-host Elliot, as always. Yeah, thanks for introducing me this time. No problem. Yeah. I remember one tenth of the time. Exactly. Yes. And good, good job doing that introduction. Thank you. Yeah, on your third try. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should just put the other two in there. Yeah, exactly. So everybody knows that it takes a couple of opportunities for me to get it right. Yeah. So why is today special? Today is special because we have wind here. Oh, yeah. That was an awesome set, by the way. Thank you. Oh, thanks. It was yeah. fun. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be broadcasting that next week on Tuesday. Um, just, can you guys just explain your setup a little bit for people that are listening? Well, I'm playing a harp, and it's running through a series of pedals, um, and then I sing... Yep. <laughs> All right, and I'm I'm uh, playing bass in this iteration of the project, um, but it rarely sounds like a bass uh, because it's also going through all manner of effects pedals before it comes out of the speakers. All right. So you said iterations. So what do you what do you mean by that? I yeah, guess. Wend as a band. So I write music for a string quartet, and then there's this like full sort of rock band aspect to it that has eight people. And then there's a version of Wend where it's just the string quartet and then the harp and the guitar or a piano and guitar. And then there's the duo, which is mostly improvised and generally more ambient or chill or like repetitive. <laughs> it <laughs> was kind solid. Of electronic. I enjoyed it. I a really liked deal. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you were able to meld that harp sound into the effects and uh it was just it was relaxing yeah it's very it. relaxing it's so relaxing to play too it's fun i'm looking forward to sharing that next week with everybody and you all are going to be at tree fort mm-hmm. oh it, wait, it, wait 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 if we're going to start plugging stuff we have to follow the rules of our <laughs> podcast that's true um are you all ready to plug your performances coming up in the next 17 seconds yeah you only have 17 seconds and then we completely talk about something else yeah yeah are you ready mm-hmm. you okay 17 seconds okay go um, so we're gonna. Oh my gosh! <laughs> we'll be playing Tree for it on uh, Sunday at twelve fifty, uh, and that'll be the whole eight-piece band. We're playing main stage, uh, and then on Thursday at six p.m. Seven p.m. Seven p.m. We're playing at LED. Oh, pretty good. Sweet. <laughs> Despite the nerves, <laughs> you really pulled that out. <laughs> Woo! Sorry, that sound cracked me up. <laughs> <laughs> With 17 seconds, I, we did the research, um, our uh, research department, and they figured that's the amount of time it uh, usually takes to adequately advertise. Mm, good. Yeah. yeah. It's good to have a time load on things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, should we uh, ask you a few questions about yourselves and get to know you and share some information to our audience? Yep. We have a theme song for that as well. Uh, Treasure Valley Podcast, we're asking you questions so we can get to know you. But not in a creepy way. Uh, all right. <laughs> so let's Thanks talk for about that, Chuck. Let's talk about creativity. Uh, Riley, you sent me a message that that was something that you have a story about your own personal creativity. 
Ross actually sent you this message while we were in the car. Oh, on the way okay. Over here. Um, she asked me not to. Oh. <laughs> now you're on the spot, though, because we have to talk about creativity. Yep. Which is one of my favorite subjects, actually. I've watched a series of documentaries about them. They're on Netflix. About There's creativity. a series of documentaries on Netflix about creativity. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Like what kind of creativity? Like the drawing kind, like the singing kind. The what kind of creativity are you talking about? Just just, just general. creativity in just general. general no, creativity. creativity. What happens is the most creative people end up uh, not specializing Being in the messiest. And yeah, in one area. <laughs> yeah, they they are highly disorganized. No, um, usually, but uh, <laughs> they 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 apply. Uh, techniques to their field from other fields. And so they usually creative people have a lot of outside influences, not necessarily specific in the area of their expertise. Yeah. That's why when you read the, like those Richard Dawkins books or the Mikio Kaku books, and you think of them as so, so like solely scientific minds, they'll all of a sudden be throwing out like Shakespeare references and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, you know, and then like using that to inform their research. I can certainly relate to that in some degree. I, uh, work in design as well. And, uh, at the time that I was working for a design firm, I developed a habit of like just always being creative daily. And then, what did that look like? <clears throat> well, I, I mean, I was sitting at a desk at work, you know, trying trying to come up with creative design ideas every oh. day for you know however many hours I was there for. And so, uh, right after I quit <laughs> that design firm, uh, was probably one of the most creative, like productively creative times that I've had because my mind was used to and had developed the habits of just like creating things and getting into a creative space very consistently. And so carrying over from that, I wrote way more music than I have in, in the year following that than I have in probably the six years since then. What What do you design? What were you designing? Uh, websites, applications, okay. logos. So gra- graf- graphics, graphic design. Yeah. That's cool. And so you went into work with as a goal of how many different things you would create? I mean, that it is kind of like, at least for me, like the way, I mean, not, not necessarily a, the goal, but um, I, I would say that's the way that I feel most able to create is just like pumping out uh, many iterations of the same idea until I land on one that I think is worthwhile or worth pursuing more in depth. And then yeah. iterate more on on that and like refine it down. Right on, and that helps you with the mu- music writing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's kind of like an idea of you're almost describing something like drafting, right? Like this is my yeah. first draft, second draft, mm-hmm. third draft, fourth draft. This time it's going to be a little bit different in this way and then that way. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And it, and I guess it's like in that it, it gave you like focused work time or focused practice time where it's like okay. This is my job, so I have to sit down and like problem solve this exact yeah. logo or whatever. Yep. Yeah. And then those are the muscles your brain's used to working out. Yep. So it wants to keep working them out. Yeah. As opposed to my day job is just filling out paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really good at it now. <laughs> You've you, I, become, I can alphabetize forms like nobody's business. I'm terrible at paperwork. This is my Achilles heel. Actually, I'm really <laughs> bad at it, too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell your supervisor. Yeah, exactly. Please don't. Hopefully he's not listening. Yeah. <laughs> don't double check me. Sean Smith. <laughs> so, <laughs> how, did you, how did you all come up with uh, what was your first your first attempt at wind? And how did that incorporate what we heard? Because you were using a lot of effects on the harp, uh, looping. I think the first attempt at it was just me 
playing the harp. It was just me trying to sort of be be a musician or make music at all because I'd wanted to for a very long time, um, and I didn't feel capable of it, at least in a creative way. And then as an adult, I it was just this thing that I think because it's so important to me and because I kind of was like separated from that part of myself for so long, it was like sort of gnawing at me in a really intense way and it became more and more and more of a need. And so Wend was just the first, it was just my first project where it's my music because I'd been for a couple years before I started Wend, I was in I think five other bands of various genres, but they were all bands where I was contributing ideas and, and that was it. It was someone else's music or it was maybe like uh, all of us just jamming together, but none mm-hmm. of it was like me coming up with an idea and like practicing being good at listening to it and developing it out into a song. So you're talking specifically about the songwriting aspect yeah. of the performance? Or even improvising live. When I used to improvise, it was very sort of spastic. I had a really hard time sitting with any one thing because my brain would kind of loop around itself in these weird sort of spirals where I couldn't just sit with any one thing because there was a lot of, I think, judgment that came up. Um, mm. And it took a long time to like break that down. What's your background in music? Um, I started playing piano when I was young and I really wanted to be a musician, like really, really badly. And I got very separated from my creativity. And so I believed myself to not be creative, like starting in, I don't know, when I was like 13, 14, 15. So I would practice piano a lot. I'd like practice the scales and like deep down kind of be like, I want to be a composer and I want to write music. But I always hit these walls because like how can you do something if the part of you that is responsible for giving you that skill set is just gone you know and it's easy to internalize that as like an inherent incapability which is what I did I assumed that I was inherently incapable of being creative or writing music and so I kind of just went off in a different direction I studied chemistry and biology in school I like went and did bike trips around the world for a while and then Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I um, moved back to Boise when I was 22 that I went to Treefort actually like 2015 and was kind of miserable the whole time uh I like loved it and was simultaneously Envious. miserable because yeah it was like you're Do you watching a little closer to the microphone too oh yeah sorry no it was like you're watching um oh that's very different yeah. okay <laughs> it's like for a whole week I was watching people feed this part of themselves that in me had been starving for a really long time, but I had just thought it didn't exist. And so I was like, it was very difficult. And I was like, Riley, if you're not making music by Treefort next year, you can't be in Boise in March. Like you just have to leave. Like you can't put yourself through this again. So I bought a keyboard and then the next year I ended up playing in like five bands. I have a tendency like to kind of, yeah. Yeah. Like when I decide I want to do something, I kind of um, go hard. Go hard. (laughs) Uh, So then I ended up dropping out of college and just working on music and that took over my life and then I started playing the harp and then I finally broke through some like internal barriers and was able to write my own music. It was really great. What what came first, the writing or the improvisation? Improvisation. All of my songwriting comes from improvisation. Like most of my songs are just improvs that I've recorded and then I develop them afterwards. What what helped you overcome that that hurdle that you experienced initially? Um, de-internalizing a lot of blame and being really gentle, like treating parts of myself like little kids, like like little little tiny kids. It's like 
you don't yell at a kid or tell them that they're being stupid when they just are trying to show you something cool. Like that would be so that mean. That figure painting painting isn't very good. <laughs> yeah, you think but, you're Picasso, you little five year old. <laughs> yeah, or like projecting your insecurities onto a child. Like that's so rude. And I know how to not do that, but I was doing that to myself. So I had to sort of learn how to engage with myself as though as a collective of really young children that I had been accidentally cruel to for years. And eventually we developed this relationship of trust again and and it allows me to like sit with an idea and not judge it and therefore it continues to happen. Mm-hmm. That's cool. What, yeah. what, so you must have been pretty proficient at piano mm-hmm. to experience that level of frustration to where you were having a, a hurdle overcoming getting thoughts out on it that aren't necessarily already written on paper for you. Is that? Yeah. The the downside of being, of having had all that time when I was younger to be feeding the creative part of myself was that like, I just did a lot of scales kind of miserably. I just like played piano for hours and hours and hours and like practiced chords and practiced scales. And so once, Oh, sorry, not to interrupt, but did you do like the sheet music thing? Did you like learn all of Chopin's nocturnes? I kind of got kicked out of piano lessons when I was younger because I refused to read sheet music. Um, I now read sheet music because I teach piano lessons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I realized I just maybe wasn't taught it very well uh, in a way that worked with my brain. Um, so, yeah, not not so much sheet music but just exercises. like okay. te- technical. So my technical ability was high enough that when I broke through those barriers with my creativity, I had this proficiency that allowed me to just um, hear a melody and immediately play it. And that was very convenient. Nice. So you, so at 20, it's good, it's good to get those reps in early, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's like, true. I can think of the, the, like the most like badass way that I could dunk on somebody, but you know, I don't have the legs to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like when I was younger, I really needed the, the, the ideas and I was frustrated like eternally that they weren't there. There was just this like angst that was kind of there anytime I tried to play music, which is why I stopped for so long. Um, but I'm glad that I at least kept playing the piano and had a good ear. And so then when, you know, when the creativity finally caught up, it it, it was wonderful. Nice. What do you recommend for people to do that are uh, reluctant? Reluctant to do what? To, to just jump in to the music scene like that or anything, I guess. Just to be creative. Just yeah. to figure out ways that you're accidentally limiting yourself um either because of like a accumulated lifetime of the way that your environment has affected parts of your brain or you know just like constantly be trying to um be nicer to yourself I think is kind (laughs) of the the bottom line of it for me that like baby steps kind of yeah I remember for me because I had a big breakthrough when I was about 25 I think with writing where all of a sudden it, I, I had this moment where I just realized what I'm afraid of is for it to be bad. And that's the worst thing that can happen. It's and it also doesn't even it, exist. And then it's, yeah, no, but that's literally like how scared I was. It was just like, well, but at a certain point you have to just accept the fact that it might be bad and certain people won't like it. And that's okay. If mm-hmm. that happens. I think we no. all have kind of been um, brainwashed by our society to be very like product motivated. Um, we're constantly thinking of like what the product is and therefore is it going to be good or bad? Is it going to be profitable or especially employable or, or collegeable? You know, yeah. like from the time we're babies and go to school and it, creativity doesn't, re- it can't really work like that. It's like, well, is my music bad? 
when it comes down to it, I, you know, at first you have to break through these barriers of like, do you care what other people think about? It? And it's like, no, I care how I feel about it. I care if I was being honest with myself. And how do you learn how to be honest with yourself? And that's a practice. And you can't be thinking about the end goal. Otherwise, you're not practicing being honest with yourself. Yeah. And if you are truly being honest with yourself, then the the natural product of that, even if it takes years to come to, I think is something that anybody would be proud of. So that's the thing that I've had to try to learn how to do. I, we have that discussion a lot when it comes to to the movie aspect because we work full time and we love to do this podcast. We love having bands come in and play and film them and we like to make movies. But the thing is, is we've never we've never taken the advertising route or the or the uh backwards approach of people like this. Let's just try to shoehorn ourselves into this fit because it, it feels like that's kind of the flash pan nature of performance or, or those types of performers. Some people it's seem like to they, be really good at that. It's impressive. Yeah. They can be like, that is a thing people like, I'm going to create that. And I don't know how to do that. So I don't, but yeah, we don't really know how to do that either. Yeah. No, we're yeah. terrible. <laughs> we're at terrible it. At it. <laughs> but we just think it's think, like, if we enjoy what we're doing, like if we can, if we can enjoy it, hopefully yeah, over time, the money will come. Yeah, exactly. That's or, the boat I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. I'm glad we all, we all ended up at the same table, <laughs> a living room in Nampa. How coincidental. Yeah. yeah. I was just thinking of the one time we made that commercial for, we made this avant-garde commercial for a oh, play yeah. company that we probably should. I'm not going to say the name of, but they they <laughs> contracted us and we're like, we're going to take this one contract and we're going to do it really crazy. And it still is my favorite commercial I've ever seen in my entire life. And I, when I showed it to this person, she was just like horrified. Just horrified. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that? I want to like, see Apparently, this. <laughs> we can't do ads for people because we're not good at at being the uh, the medium between what a product they, that yeah. they're selling and yeah, yeah. Aww. It's some people do excel at that like photographers and people that write uh or film things and, and like write film music. commercials and stuff yeah, yeah it's mm -hmm. just it's just one of those skill sets that we do not possess for some reason because we see something really awesome and hilarious that we want to interject mm -hmm. and then it ruins it for someone else well i think it's i think we think of probably you do too is that that's what you're saying that you, you think of it like an extension of your art like quote unquote i'm gonna sound like a pretentious douche but you know like the art please quote do unquote, yeah Please sound like a pretentious douche. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. Is, is it's actually a podcast. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was uh, Tyler Carson, this really great uh, violinist, once said that uh, art is the quiet place communicating with somebody else's quiet place. And I always mm. enjoyed that definition. That's quite nice. Yeah. Where it's like I'm communicating my quiet place with other people that are listening to my music, and that's the quiet place. And so it's basically about personal expression. And mm -hmm. that's the only way to make something that's uh, honest. Yeah, yeah, the honesty part is huge. Yeah, I think. Want to chime in, Ross? You've been oh, very quiet. You've been quiet. Oh, um, and you predicted that, but I feel the need to just get <laughs> you into the microphone and saying some stuff. Yeah, um, the quiet place thing is that's a. I like the idea of that because it it speaks to this like non-verbal and non-conceptual place that I think creativity kind of like has to come from a little bit. And it goes back a little bit to what Riley was saying with regards to just being honest. Um, because I, I really think that like personal experience, the conceptual 
and verbal aspect of it is such a secondary thing. And if you want to make something that like really like can hold space for or elicit other people to have emotions, yeah, I think that. Um, and it's always the weird ones in art too, like the seemingly indescribable emotions. Yeah, like, and if like you, it's not like anger. It's like a weird. Yeah, I like don't think you mixture, could. Yeah. I don't think you could ever like elicit complex emotions from a place of like trying to conceptually like model how to do that and then execute it successfully. I think it comes from a completely like opposite frame of reference and like steps of work. Oh, okay, cool. That makes sense. I, I, you both are multiple. Inter- instrumentalists mm-hmm. correct yeah how, how does that affect the way that you write music i was listening to you on the drums that's that was pretty decent i thought ross and so that's kind of interesting when somebody can pick up the drums i feel like that's it adds it adds a certain level of rhythmic yeah well i started le- to the creativity yeah i started playing drums um that was my first instrument and that was um when i was probably 12 or 13 um and I definitely, because I played that as my primary instrument for probably um, like five years before I really started diving into guitar, which was um, which was great. And then I kind of set down guitar and came back to drums for a while, and that was really cool because I started writing drum parts more like I wrote guitar parts. Mm. But then when I came back to guitar a little more, I noticed that I was starting to write guitar parts more like I would write drum parts. So there was this like interesting like crosstalk between like those different areas of of like just like how your brain puts together like how the instrument works and yeah, the, how to create with it. The crosstalk. Mm-hmm. I remember I used to be yelled at for not practicing with a metronome and then when I picked up the drums I'm like, oh, this makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't like the melodic aspect when you're focused on that so much and I, I think like playing a lead instrument versus playing a backup rhythmic type instrument is so super important. Mm-hmm. And then when I picked up the bass guitar and people couldn't stand me for coming from guitar because they're like, what are you doing? And you just want to be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was that stereotypical guitarist yeah. <laughs> just wanting to riff on top of everybody. It's like, Oh, okay. I guess you should probably take, learn to take a step back yeah. on this instrument. Bass is super new for me. Like I, I bought that bass last year oh, okay. um, and it's the first bass that I've owned. And it, literally the reason that I got it, like one I've jammed on other people's basses for just like fun. And it's, it is a really fun instrument. Mm-hmm. But, um, the reason I got that was because like Riley's solo music, I was trying to fit into it somehow to, to make it a little more interesting. And I was using guitar to do it. And I just like, mid ranges were clashing a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I found myself like needing to create melodic things and Riley already kind of like holds down the melodic aspect of it pretty well. And so I didn't feel like I was adding anything. And so like, I was like, all right, well, what could I add? And I was like, low end would be really good. And so then trying to figure out creative ways to use the bass in this context because it's a very like it's a lot of it's very arrhythmic um Mm -hmm. and the things that are rhythmic are like very like hypnotically rhythmic it's not like classic bass guitar territory (laughs) yeah it'd be really super hard to rap over it 
<laughs> I would be. I would. I would be I down would to see to somebody that. try. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I just derailed that. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was done. I, I think. So when, when did you start uh, plugging the harp into your pedal board and messing around with the looping? Uh, Ross just pointed that was me. <laughs> I'm can, I'm still using Ross's looper pedal. I think that I always wanted to plug into pedals because as a piano player, I was like, oh, I'm not playing the cool instrument. They're going to make it sound all cool. I don't know. Mm. And then key, I got a keyboard, which is kind of the cool instrument. You can make it sound however you want. But um, I never liked guitar. Every time I try to pick one up, I'm like, I could play this, but I'm not interested in it. And then the harp had this really strong draw. And when I finally found one that was affordable enough to rent, because I was the barrier for a long time, they're insanely expensive instruments. Mm. Um, so it was like a year after I got it, I found some pickups on the internet that are designed for a harp that I glued into the sound box. And then we started running it through Ross's pedals. And then I bought a bunch of my own and then kind of just exp- I don't know. I've been experimenting from there. What does it look like when you guys practice? Like what you heard today. Oh, okay. Yeah, just kind of sitting down and Im- improvising and like sometimes trying to like sometimes like getting to a point while we're just improvising where we like take note of like, okay, here's what that was. Like we need to try to get back Can to we there do that next again? time. Mm-hmm. We, but yeah. like you're always starting from a different location. So like winding your way back to that same spot. It's going to be so hard to repeat the same thing. We'll be like, let's weird. try to do that again. And it's a completely different song when we do yeah. it again. So. Do you guys ever record yourselves? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then yeah. you like listen back and like, oh, that part was cool. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. That's kind of how it goes yeah. for us. Right on. Sweet. Well, I'm excited to hear y'all play. At Tree Fort, yeah, you can, yeah. We should probably say it again one more time, even though it's outside of the seventeen seconds. But you get you're going to be playing twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thursday night. Thursday night. Thursday night's all the chill music, just the string quartet. Okay. And then what? It's more similar to what you heard tonight. This the second song is actually played that night with accompaniment by the string quartet. And then Sunday is all different music. It's more. It's like kind of weird, prog rock. In a little places. bit more muscular. A little more, a little more muscular. Some songs are even a little dancey, and everything is just more fleshed out because it's, you know, it's eight people. It's really, really fun. I'm super excited for both sets. Awesome. Cool. Well, we're excited to check it out. All right. So we should, uh, before we take off, though, we should end with a joke from a hat. Do you have one? Yes, I do. I have a, I have a joke inside of a hat right now. Which one of you two would like to read it? Oh, I am. Okay, I'll read it. on it. All right, here's, here's. Oh man, this is this is the worst segment. All right, here it goes. It's my favorite. Take a joke from a hat when you read it. I'll bet that you make someone laugh. It's a joke from a hat. The term "mad as a hatter" comes from the 18th century when hat makers used mercury to produce felt hats. People thought they were crazy because if you want a hat to be felt, why not just touch it? See, our our hat joke writing department keeps getting better and better every single week. I promise you that. Uh, So thank you all for tuning in uh, to this podcast. Make sure that you uh, come back again next week and check out our channel on YouTube, Lower Gentry Studios channel on YouTube, so that you can see when perform live here in studio. And uh, be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram and. All the different things. YouTube, Twitter. Oh, yeah. We got the feature films. You can check that out. Lower Gentry Studios. You can also check out Wend on Bandcamp. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Peace.